We all have heard horror stories of how a remodel nearly tore a couple apart, as well as how impactful our environment can be on our state of well-being. Remodels don't have to end in divorce, and we can reflect our true selves in our environment with the right approach. Welcome to Psychotecture. My name is Rachel Melvald, and I'm a psychotherapist and designer. Psychotecture was developed as a methodological approach to ease issues that come up in design challenges, as well as a philosophy on how our environment can reflect our highest selves. Each week, I will interview an expert in the field of design and psychology to shed light on design challenges. I will also have a special series called The Psychotech is In, where I can offer help to those in design intervention need. If you're enjoying this Psychotech is in, please subscribe to my podcast, as well as follow me on social media at Rachel Melvald. And if you are a client, couple, or designer architect having a design challenge, please feel free to email me at my website, psychotecture.com, or rachel at psychotecture.com. Welcome to the Psychotech is in. Yeah. Okay. Got it. We're on. Welcome to the Psychotech is in. Today, mm. I am really, really thrilled to meet with Stefan. And Stefan, can you introduce your whole name of your firm and just, you know, the full title of, of your business? Yeah. So my name is Stefan Jovanovich, and I run a interdisciplinary company called Studio Stefan Jovanovich. Um, and I'm based in London. Yes, great. And we had the the fortune to be liaised by a fellow somatic experiencing professional. Um, as I've told some of my audience members, I work in the trauma recovery modality of somatic experiencing. And so does Stefan. And also work in architecture and design. And when um, this fellow somatic experiencing professional met you in London on a training, we thought, oh, this is really kismet to be able to meet mm. other folks like you around the world that are working in the somatic and architectural space. So, mm -hmm. um, so I just want to have a conversation around the the connection between our bodies and space and you were giving mm. me some a beautiful background when we talked mm. earlier about your work and you know just how you came to find this exquisite connection between healing body and space yeah 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 and perhaps not too dissimilar to your own uh, trajectory um, but perhaps in a slightly different order. I, I originally studied in architecture and through architecture came to the performing arts and from the performing arts came to therapy and the world of healing and trauma recovery. So intuitively or not, uh, what I found and have developed over the last many years is that that space where design architecture um, the creation of worlds and spaces that we inhabit on a daily basis 
where that meets the body and the body story in history um, is through the performing arts. And so it's a big melting pot for me yeah. and has been. And I, yeah, I often, I, when I first started uh, designing uh, staged spaces or spaces for performance, I had this realization that I can't quite do this um, authentically if I'm not performing myself or embodied myself in the way that I think of design. And so that led me into a kind of self-taught journey through dance um, and theater. And as I got more and more into performing and then later choreographing and directing, I started seeing so much trauma history coming up in studios um, and history is used as material to generate at the end of the day entertainment for other people. Yeah. And I think that that was the key turning point for me of realizing, oh, I need tools uh, to work with this and um, negotiate what a safe space might be uh, within the performing world, which is what led me to somatic experiencing and family systemic constellations. And now it's, I can't differentiate between any of these things. I know. And now it feels like all in the same vein, doesn't it? it it's so integrated. And I think to, to us, to us, it really does have that um, common thread, right? The, mm. the world of dance movement theater, the architecture of performance, um, the healing trajectory of intergenerational trauma in constellation work. Yet to our audience members and for people that are just like, what is all this stuff? <laughs> like we sound like we might be on a whole nother plane on no pun. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, I think maybe to break it down to these modalities of what we call somatic experiencing is a trauma recovery modality that works on um, healing trauma through completing defensive responses, right? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And what we know in trauma recovery is that it's not a cerebral process to discharge embodied trauma, right? Mm -hmm. And so to explain somatic experiencing, much like other modalities like EMDR, this, this work is particularly special to me, to you and I, I think because it supports the authenticity of what the body needs to do to recover versus what we can tell someone to do. Um, so it's a very empowering process, I feel. Um, 
so just to kind of lay out the groundwork and then mm. so dance in trauma therapy it's like these movements are so mm-hmm. um embodied so can you kind of speak to to the connection even as you started your journey of even dance and the somatic yeah. work yeah yeah as you were speaking i was remembering my first introduction to somatic experiencing and it being described as or rather a question being asked of how do you create a space where the body feels safe enough to tell its story Mm. and of course as an architect at that point I was thinking quite literally what is that space where or what can that space be where the body feels safe which you know I guess safety is always relative to some extent and um and then I think what happened for me was dance as an art form that happens in specific spaces oftentimes in black boxes theaters um uh harnesses this uh real power to move through trauma without using language so much yeah. and i think that for me is has been a key underpinning to my own journey and the work that I create of how to create movement, um, choreography, narrative that doesn't rely so much on the cognitive, uh, linear, uh, language-based way of understanding the world, but rather on a more intuitive, sensation-based somatic approach, which I guess is one of the key um, foundations of somatic experiencing, of how to work through and with the reptilian brain, Mm -hmm. the oldest part of ourselves. And I think if we can do that through movement, we can access some beautiful uh, neural pathways uh, that otherwise might uh, very quickly uh, end up in language or words or get shut down. Uh, yeah. 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 And what I hear from our previous conversation, the theme of how language and constructs can sometimes Um, prevent us from connecting in our truest vulnerable selves and so this is a pathway through somatic work and dance that we're just really working with the true unconscious if you will or Mm. our true authentic responses to our Mm. experience of self and space Mm. right Mm -hmm. If I'm summarizing yeah. that, yeah, the way that you were describing, yeah, and also it makes me think of this the space of dreams, yes. the space of archetypes, um, 
that you know that can speak across cultures and across histories and across time and uh i think for me it's also very visual um discipline that you you see things that might evoke something within your nervous system whilst you may not understand fully what it is that you're seeing but there's still something happening in the body yeah so, registering it mm, mm, yeah and, and and perhaps it really speaks to the child part of ourselves that i find and um kind of almost pre-languaging uh, structures where there's a very immediate reaction or uh, or slight response or curiosity mm. that emerges. Yeah. And I think I find that really beautiful and interesting space where to meet audiences yeah it's mm. it, it's it just also seems like that is what even performance or acting where where many actors and i'm not an authority on this that want to get to that space right mm. to to really be in that playful creative sensory responsive mm. intuitive Mm-hmm. curious place that's not so you know blocked with ego or mm-hmm. language so so much of performance training is is trying to connect in that so when when you talk about the um reptilian responses and the inner child responses and archetypal connections. I love that because often when I do somatic experiencing work, I, I, as we do in SE, you work with the image is part of a, is part of the way to access Mm. the body and working with that dream image or any image, Mm. right. That Mm. just is like, why is this, why does this image come up? And part of trauma is maybe it's could be a flashback that keeps coming up or, or there's a, residual part of a dream that is asking to be explored yeah yeah and i i find it to be such a beautiful process of connecting those two worlds so i love how you describe that even as a performer in the art mm-hmm. of dance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how does that, like when, you know, I, I dance for enjoyment. I'm not a professional dancer and, you know, I love learning about, you know, the origins of, you know, modern and all the different beautiful um, dance, dance modalities that are out there. How do, how do you think, like when you do your work, when you perform, is a simple, like, you know, when I'm working with somatic experiencing and let's say somebody's going through like an undulation of mm. really kind of discharging some powerful early trauma mm. and it's like 
its own movement, right? Hmm. Would you say those kind of natural trauma movement sequences can can be like a dance art in its own right? Hmm. When you dance, or what would that look like? Yeah. I think, yeah, you bring up um, an interesting edge in the work, which is how to distinguish between therapy and performance. Yes, thank um, you. And and I think we're also currently in a time period where, um, let's say, ritual and ceremony are very fashionable within the performing arts and dance and myself included participate in this movement in a way and what i found is that one has to be really careful as to which modalities are used and to what in, to what intent and what is the process kind of within a cast or with dancers or actors and then what is the process with an audience which might be slightly different because someone buying a ticket to come and see a dance show might not necessarily be coming for a group processing session of their personal trauma, right? Right, right. And that's really helpful to distinguish the intention yeah. of all parties in this container. Yeah, yeah. And so your question about, you know, does the pendulation of trauma or I guess experiencing an activation and then self or co-regulation within a performance space. I think what I found is that it needs to be facilitated um, and possibly uh, somewhat scripted unless it's fully improvisational. And perhaps that's where it starts to differ a little bit from a somatic experiencing session in that, you know, I'll work a lot with the performers for them to be confident enough in the, the scene or the, the, the kind of ritual that they're offering to audiences, but will be very intentional with the sequence of it so that if we do introduce something that might uh, create activation mm -hmm. within an audience group, be it through the sound score or the type of dancing or the type of uh, kind of visceral scene what one might witness, we also have to make sure then that what follows is some form of space where the audience can discharge something that's been activated. So in that sense, almost the structure of the show would be quite scripted. And we'd make sure that um, any kind of audience engagement stays within a window of capacity that doesn't push anyone beyond their comfort level, but rather, uh, I think, focusing on how to make sure everyone feels included. Yeah. And perhaps challenged at different moments. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important to hear you under you know describe how a healing intention would be put forth in a performance, the art of performance space. Mm. 
particularly of theater, mm. theater, mm. right? Or a dance performance, right? Yeah. It seems like to me, it always would be like great to have that, you know, container of managing activation and pendulation and release in a safe container of performance. It, it just seems mm. like that would always be for you to go into whether you're choreographing it or directing it or performing mm. yourself, mm. you know, in film, they're always, you know, they're wanting to get therapists on set or, you know, people watch movies and entertainment to go through their own yeah. emotional journey and catharsis. So mm. Mm. I just think it speaks to giving it this, container that art can be healing oh right absolutely yeah yeah and i think that's where i would look at it very much from the point of view of family constellation work which is for that container to be as safe as possible and uh offer uh, a space where experiences can be respected and happen and by that I mean wholly different experiences in an audience someone might be loving something and someone might be really struggling with something and how to include all of that mm -hmm. I think is really important to step back and be a facilitator rather than a director Gotcha. So, which means placing the kind of ego of the individual aside and really feeling into what serves the system, what serves the current group that's here. Every audience is different. Every audience that constellates for any show is different from one day to the next. And how does one continue to adapt to that and to hold that? without an agenda necessarily that everyone has to feel a certain way mm -hmm. by the end of it. Yeah. It's not really so prescribed or you can't really script that response, mm. nor would we want to, right? No. We want no. everyone to subjectively take what they take from experience yeah. art. And that's so beautifully explained now, just to kind of break down for our audience around what is family constellation work, yeah. if you can give like a quick synopsis, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's some frame of reference as to how it connects with somatic experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. So the family constellation work that I trained in um, originated from a psychotherapist called Bert Hellinger. Um, and became quite uh, popular, I guess, in, in Europe in the 80s onwards, um, where groups of people would come together uh, as a kind of group therapy session. Mm -hmm. And 
someone would present a issue, be it a family issue or an ancestral issue or a personal issue. And then strangers in the room would step into what is called the field um, and represent a person's family uh, or uh, family members or country of origin or uh, fear or love or whatever is relevant to the story. And then what plays out is a kind of narrative arc where you, where the facilitator holds uh, quite a spiritual and phenomenological experience uh, where the something, something gets moved in, in the client's uh, in a meta field. And, and they get to work through a trauma that perhaps they, they wouldn't be able to, to address in real life um, for whatever reason. And I think many constellations actually follow the narrative arc of a story um, mm -hmm. in the way that there's uh, a prob problematization of an issue that moves towards a climax and then a resolution, which many stories follow traditionally. Yeah. And, and so the constellations facilitator kind of holds that uh, arc in, in the way that it's uh, offered and held. And also sometimes the client really needs to experience the issue and the gravitas of the issue that they brought um, before they can fully um, integrate or metabolize what the resolution or the denouement might be of the story. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a, it sits between psychotherapy, spiritual practices, there's the long lineage of constellation work that originates from KwaZulu traditions from South Africa. Oh, interesting. Um, and then there's multiple variations of it that have developed since the 80s um, around the world, really. And I think most recently have been featured on Netflix on, on Gwyneth Paltrow's Scoop <laughs> episodes. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm, I'm happy it's, it's making it there. She's, yeah, she's, absolutely. she's great at finding the, the great work. She's, she yeah. really sources it. And, um, and I'm happy she has because this line of work, I I've known about it for so many years and I've always thought this is powerful work mm -hmm. that doesn't even get the recognition or, you know, so many people in the mental health or even just you know, people don't really know about. Um, so, and, and yeah. I mean, I, th I think it's something that whether one's a therapist or, or not, it's, it's a training that uh, should be part of life's journey for any walk of life. Cause there's something so essential about uh, being able to see the world and one's history through the systemic lens mm -hmm. that I think is especially important today 
yes. and um, and can really offer so much. I think collective healing that's mm -hmm. necessary. Um, and yeah, it's it's so it's so true because it really puts us in a collective lineage and to really empathize with others' mm. experiences and gives that mm. space to really connect in someone else's story. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, going back to, you know, your comment on why people might watch films or why why one might go see a dance or theater show or engage in any kind of storytelling. And I think Constellation's work does that in a pretty literal and direct way where not only do you get to engage or rather spectate in real life stories, you actually get to participate and embody other people's stories, which almost never coincidentally will uh will be something in your own life that's mm -hmm. wanting to be worked through or seen when you get asked to represent someone's mother or daughter or sibling yeah it, it i feel like it should be part of our fundamental education you know there <laughs> to have these kind of workshops you know it would be so mm. wonderful to have that in our formative empathetic experience years oh. you know just to be able to cultivate mm. that mm. Mm. Um, we do that through food and sensory we experience people's worlds in ways mm. that transcend all of our constructs that come to be um and let me ask you with and, and I what I also appreciate, you know, when you're creating a piece of art or a, you're writing something, you know, as the creator, you are holding a space, right? You're you're holding a space for something to play out. Always, I think. So yeah. who's writing has will responsibly want to hold what that creative project is really doing as it almost like you know, on the outside, but also kind of creating that safety. Um, I guess that was just a thought that came to me. And um, also, like, what do you think about when people are really into horror films, you know, or, or you know, someone mm. said once that you're almost going through your own somatic you're, you're safe to kind of feel the, the panic, the rage, the in a controlled space like mm. a horror film kind of lets you go through mm. this mm -hmm. somatic trajectory in mm -hmm. but you have you almost have control over it knowing you're okay mm -hmm. as the viewer yeah yeah which i guess is the the tool of the screen that that well that that horror is not going to necessarily come out that it's going to there's a very clear boundary 
I guess. Right. The so there, there's for. safety when we watch yeah. experience art. It's made the screen, maybe not as much live theater. That's such a different. Yeah. I think there's a few more variables there of um, the kind of the possibility maybe of something going wrong is more present in the room right. than, I don't know, a power cut or the screen going blank. Um, I mean, not to say, I still think that even a film can evoke so much somatically that then might need integrating later, um, especially if someone's watching a resonance story of their own life on screen. Um, whereas I think in the theater or any performance art space, when we start to edge into this world where part of us trusts that the social script is still valid, that the contract is there, that is not written anywhere, but that we trust, you know, that we won't get attacked or um, have an awful experience or be made to yes. do something we don't want to do, right? Yes, that's that's what I was trying to say, or thank you. That's what I was thinking is, and that's almost when we do somatic experiencing with our clients or you do family constellation with, you know, a group, it is creating a safe setting, a safe container, just like film and theater might, that there's, you can play out and recover and mm. express and move mm. knowing mm. You don't have a perpetrator that you 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 mm. can't. You have to stay in fight or flight or dissociation with. Mm. So, mm. Mm. yeah, and and I guess I mean there's been different histories, maybe more in in live art or which had a big movement in the UK where certain boundaries for fourth wall really do get broken right and um and and it does do something i think that moments like that speak more to kind of shock trauma almost in the way that a nervous system might react to something that starts to deconstruct almost social laws that they're expecting when they walk into a space um which I think opens up an interesting also reflection on, you know, we have socially embedded understandings of what we're supposed to do in specific places. Mm -hmm. That's right. How we're supposed to behave in a theater or in a cinema or queuing at an ATM. Um, it's somehow in, in the body right. already. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, queuing in the ATMs. <laughs> could be a little fight or flight sometimes yeah. but <laughs> yeah it's so true and and I'd love to bridge that into I know gosh I, I, I can't stop talking to you Stefan it's just like you're somebody that you know uh, makes my interview process go longer because I just want to um, glean more insight into when you're talking about social constructs and as we talk about the architecture 
of space and our embodied our embodied space. Mm. Um, can you give us like a example of how or something you did in a theater or or set or performance space? How you design mm. that or with all this mm. in mind? Mm. Um. Like what principles would yeah. somebody who's designing, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. a performance space for a dance tro troupe? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can speak about my most recent work um, called Drumming in the Hall of the Mountain, which is actually an outdoor performance Ooh. work. And, and that sets up a whole other set of questions around design and how to design, how to use theatrical design outdoors to guide audiences. Um, and it's probably been the most challenging work I've had to do to date. Um, and what I've, what I've realized is in this show, we really use the city to frame that theatrical experience. Um, and so uh, proximity to the cast, uh, the cast go on these kind of 30 minute promenades through city of where the performance is happening. Um, and it's almost like the, the performer has a huge responsibility of, of really harnessing the attention of the audience as they maneuver through streets or by a river or over a bridge as they arrive to a space where the kind of uh, climax or action. Oh, I love those kind place. of, yeah. Is, is, is there a name for that when you experience live theater moving? I, I love that when you're out yeah. of the, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's called, well, most people call it kind of immersive. Immersive. Uh, <laughs> uh, theater. <laughs> um thank you Stefan I, I sound yeah. elo eloquent until that yeah um immersive um, thank you which is kind of yes obvious maybe it can also not be immersive um but still <laughs> well what comes moving. up for me what I love about what is the title of of this piece you created the long one drumming in the hall of the mountain <laughs> Well, I mean, there's just so much in that title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, I sometimes, I, I like to be free in space. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I think, oh, just sit in the theater for two hours, you know, yeah. that mm. I always get and what comes up for me is like, oh, sounds like such a, such an adventure. To, to yeah. drumming in the hall of the mountain. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to answer your question about principles, um, I've I've really had to think about, you know, how do you sustain attention and how do you construct a narrative arc in essentially public space where it's not a controlled environment like the black box is. And what I employed was scores, uh, 
scores of ritual, scores mm. of ceremony. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the way that you would give someone a ritual to do, whether it's a ritual of shedding or um, encounters or meeting a past self or, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's so much, you know, ways of magically transforming and um and so yeah absolutely and so there's a very kind of clear ritual structure essentially where audiences are offered um uh, 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 a set of actions and tools to go through and use um where at the very beginning they're invited to think about something that they want to shed in their life at the moment, something that no longer serves them. Um, and they're given these branches to represent that thing. And they're then taken on this wild journey as they watch these, uh, these four performers transform into these archetypal fully costumed creatures, kind of spirits from another another realm, another plane. Um, and the spirits then collect these branches um, and they start a massive fire. And the audience then watch watch it burn. Um, and so it's 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 a kind of it's a really simple score. And of course there's dancing and there's live music and there's everything that dance and theater offer, but there's a very tight framework that's offered to the audience as to what they're there to do um, and how and with who uh, within this kind of fantastical realm. It, it sounds amazing it, for lack of better therapeutic artistic <laughs> words. <laughs> I mean, after coming, you know, out of, you know, Jewish holidays, Yom Kippur, I think that would be really wonderful to be casted in that, you know, mm. to see what mm. to shed. But it sounds like the, to be in the open space, you've created ritual as, as yeah. the program, right? Like you're scoring. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So I know I've taken more of your time and something important I wanted to still touch on because we had a great conversation around because your work really does cut so much of the barriers, the constructs, language in, in how we heal as a collective, but also in marginalized groups and how yeah. in the queer community, LGBT, how you really yeah. have described your work in a way that was was really um inspiring to me so i'd love for you mm. to just touch on that yeah yeah um so yeah a, a lot of you know the audiences that i i try to engage are amongst the queer community and the neurodivergent community um and really create spaces where um yeah, I guess marginalized identities can feel that they belong um, to bring in with kind of key constellations principle is, you know, how do we 
how do we allow for belonging to happen in society? Um, and I think what you're referencing and what we spoke about previously was um, this term that I really love, um, which is dry cleaners of the soul. Yes. Um, which comes from a writer and performance artist based in Berlin called Richard Aslan. And it really talks about the, the history of, of queer identities being used by society, kind of society with a big S, um, to process their where it's trauma through ritualized actions. And so to make that simpler, the rest of society comes to the you know, queer identity with their dirty laundry. And it's the kind of queer archetype that um, heals it and gives back the kind of cleaned, impressed clothes. And it really speaks to the um, to the core importance of queer identities within society um, as I think in a way the magical people or yeah. and different cultures have different terms for this and so in some way I that's what I strive to do with the shows and the performance is to offer that space for ritual action that that comes from queer histories um and in that way also really claims that space not as um, um perhaps no longer as a kind of marginalizing mm -hmm. identity right but as an identity that um i think bridges bridges difference and diversity. Um. Yeah, that I mean, I just, I have chills when you describe the the dry cleaners of the the, the universe. Right? Is that what what the phrase of is? the soul? Of the soul. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Even better. Um, it really it gives me chills because it resonates. I believe my body mm. always has chills when it says, "Ooh, there's something mm. so powerful about, um, like just having a whole shift in perception around what this archetype means yeah. and how to really honor and embrace and value what this community is doing for us." and yeah. bringing forth in our collective healing needs. And I just think it's it's really a, a, a new perspective that I, I'm really yeah. so grateful to learn from you and how you yeah. support and, and engage this process in your in your work. Mm. Um, so, mm -hmm. and with that said, um, as we wind down, what, where can we, I've been on your website. It's fantastic. And, and there's some like videos that we can watch of your work. And is there information as to 
events or workshops. You're you're in London. I wish. Yeah. I hope you come to Los Angeles at some <laughs> point. Um, that would be wonderful. It's kind of the compliment. A lot of London people love it here. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my, all of my stuff's online. You can see, yeah, trailers and films of existing work. And yeah, and I'll often post about upcoming shows and workshops and um, we're about to go on tour with this new show. Oh, you are and, going on tour. Um, okay. Yeah. For now, mainly UK and Europe, but who knows? Maybe, maybe we come to the West Coast as well. Um, and yeah. Can you stream it? Um, <laughs> I just think, you know, we always can stream yeah. things now, right? Yeah. I think it's. <laughs> maybe that would ruin at, it. At the, at the cost of like not going with the times, I'd say <laughs> I, I'm quite a, I think certain experiences need to be experienced in person. Um, and there's something, yeah, sacred about about yeah. that. Amen to that. Let's not stream it. <laughs> well, Stefan, I am so grateful for mm -hmm. the opportunity to talk to you, to experience all that you do and evolve in our healing life and in our artistic mm -hmm. world. It's, it's such a, you know, powerful, unique um, blend in your work. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm so inspired by what you do and I'll, give what is your website is it just your name just so people know yeah. where to find yeah you? it's just my name um studio stefanyavanovich.com and same on instagram and other social media um so yeah but yeah really yeah thank you for having me it's been lovely to connect with you and, and talk about different planes Oh, I could go on more. <laughs> we could go on many other dimensions. I, I, I just so, so love talking to you. Um, so let's, yeah, let's please, let's stay connected and yeah, let's keep this conversation going because it inspires me to keep doing what I'm doing in architecture, embodiment and healing yeah. and the arts and really supporting humanity all people mm. yeah. yeah yeah absolutely so okay take care i appreciate our interview and yeah. you and uh see you down the road see you soon okay bye This is Psychotecture by Rachel Malvald with coaching, consultation, and psychotherapy offered virtually and in home throughout the Los Angeles greater area and nationally. We work to ease design challenges to create transformative habitats. Thank you, and we look forward to the next episode and your questions. If you're enjoying this Psychotech is in, please subscribe to my podcast, as well as follow me on social media at Rachel Malvald. And if you are a client, couple, or designer architect having a design challenge, please feel free to email me 
at my website, psychotexture.com or rachel at psychotexture.com.